A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome to DTNS Experiment Week. All this week, DTNS is on summer vacation, but in its place is Experiment Week, where our producers and contributors are trying out new show ideas and releasing them right here on the DTNS feed. Enjoy. I'm Nicole Lee, and this is... Perpetually Online, a show about life on the internet that includes memes, beefs, viral videos, and everything in between. My co-host today is Carissa Bell. Hello, Carissa. Hello. Hello. And uh, just a little bit about about, about my, ourselves. Uh, my name is Nicole, like I said, and uh, I've been uh, I've been a tech journalist for you know almost twenty years now. And but more than that, I'm always online. Um, I've been I was on Twitter like day dot it seems like and uh and carissa why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for a living and and how you feel about being online all the time well i'm also a uh, tech reporter surprise surprise <laughs> uh been doing it probably about t- at least 10 years at this point try not to think about it um and uh, i've spent most of that time covering social media so i am also always online um <laughs> Gotten a little bit better lately about trying to consciously like unplug at certain times. Um, yeah, but you know it's basically my job to be online all the time. Would you would you be online all the time if it wasn't your job? I think I would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard to know because I started doing this. I want to say around the time when Twitter started to get really big and. Yeah. Social media as we know it now was kind of starting to blow up. And so and that was yeah. around the time I became a journalist. So mm-hmm. the two have always been very like intermixed for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I probably would anyway. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, when I first started using Twitter and, you know, all the all the other social media stuff, that wasn't my job. I mean, I covered tech, but it was more in the, you know, gadget space. It wasn't so much in the social media online space. And uh, but I just started using it just just to use it really. Um, I think a lot, honestly, to be completely honest, the the one of the reasons I was I was on all the social media things to begin with just was just to reserve my name, 
was just like to book my name so that I, w- I would be like Nicole or Nicole or whatever, just to like have my name parked and reserved so that no one else could use it really. And that was like my driving reason, uh, my driving force uh, to use all these things to begin with. But um, yeah, very, very similarly, that was one of my things. Um, but yeah, I think the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because like I feel like very similarly, like my life is so like plugged in um not just twitter but like instagram tiktok like i'm on those these things all the time and it seems like it's it change is so dynamic especially lately and it seems like everything's changing all the time not just like in terms of the companies themselves changing and we'll, we'll get to that uh, today but just in terms of the kind of news that breaks like online only the kind of trends and uh, uh, news events that emanate from TikTok. You know, TikTok is such a huge trendsetter in this space too. Like, it doesn't just change um, online. It, it doesn't just dictate our online lives, but like offline lives. So it sort of sort of trickles down to like every aspect of um, our lives. It seems. So yeah, let's just get started. Um, oh, by the way, I should I should say that this podcast is, is going to be is going to air on um, Daily Tech News Show's Experimental Week, and uh, this podcast if we're recording it on August first. Um, everything that comes out in this podcast might might be old news by the time this podcast comes out on the week of August fourteenth. Uh, but just a little disclaimer there, just just in case, just in case we're talking about like old news at this point. But we'll try to keep it as evergreen as possible um, in our discussions here. But um, this is this was recorded on. August 1st, uh, 2023. Okay, so um, the biggest newsmaker in the online space for the past week and possibly for the past year has been Twitter, specifically Elon Musk's Twitter. Um, Ever since Musk purchased Twitter for $44 billion last year, I'm going to say last April, um, it seems like Twitter HQ has been nothing but chaos. That is especially the case last week as Musk has decided to rename the company to X. Uh, he even went so far as to place a giant metal X structure on the on the rooftop of 1355 Market Street, aka Twitter HQ. It's since been taken down after neighbor and city complaints, but the company's name remains unchanged, at least for now. Um, Carissa, you wrote the initial story for Engadget about how they were running Twitter to X. What the heck is happening? (laughs) Well, there's a few things. Um, You know, I think Musk has always kind of had this fascination or attachment to the letter X for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, back in the late 90s when he first came up, had a banking startup that he later sold to PayPal. It was called x.com. He later bought that domain back from PayPal um, a few years ago before he got involved with Twitter. Um, So that was, that was, that was only a few years ago, right? Yeah. I I want to say it was 2017. Okay. Um, Relatively recent-ish. Yeah. And you know, uh, obviously Tesla has a Model X. uh, One of (laughs) his children, he is named, uh, has a variation of the name X. Um, He calls him Little X. Uh, you know, I forget how, how you actually say, like, X-A, <laughs> whatever right. the official name is, but, you know, they call him Little X, so. Musk Jr. X. Yeah, so he, okay. you know, he has this personal thing for the letter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think 
more broadly speaking, this is kind of, he really wants, I think he really wants to make sure that like this is his vision of what the company that used to be called Twitter is. It's no longer birds and tweets and Jack Dorsey and all that stuff. I think this is really him trying to create separation saying like, this is, this is my company now. This is my vision for it. It's this future looking new brand. You know, the old Twitter has a lot of baggage. So I think he's trying to really make a statement with uh, what he sees as the future of the company. I think my, my question, so I think that's correct. I mean, that's, as you say, Musk has this obsession with X for a while now. But I think we can go on from that. It seems like he wants to, I mean, he's always had this um, obsession, not just with the letter X, but like having an app, like an X app, or like um, an, an app that does everything. Um, can you speak more as to like what that means? What 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 does he mean by having a an, an app that does everything? Yeah, so that's one of the other things that he said that when he... I mean, he said this very early on from when he acquired Twitter, that he thought this is kind of the first step in a vision for Twitter, not just being a place where you can tweet and, you know, maybe find out about what's going on in the world, uh, but this kind of everything app. And, you know, the kind of model for this is WeChat in China, uh, which, you know, their WeChat is basically used for, you know, pretty much everything that you do Mm -hmm. in everyday life. It's you know, it has it's social media. Um, it's also payments, shopping. You know, booking appointments. You know, it's kind of every sort of. My understanding of it is that it's basically every kind of service or um, need that you would use day to day, kind of all rolled into one. Um, and I think Musk really thinks that Twitter can be a version of that, where it can be payments and banking and. <laughs> video streaming and creators and shopping and I think he kind of has the similar vision um, whether he can actually accomplish that I think is something else I think a lot of other companies have kind of tried to be an everything app and I think it's very hard to do that outside of somewhere like China where the internet is very tightly and centrally controlled and that's uh, part of why WeChat has been so successful there is there like what do you think like is there even the what's what's the closest equivalent there is to that in the U.S. I I, I can't even think of anything that I mean maybe Facebook ish like back in the day but I can't like even now like I can't really think of something that is that close to that vision you know I mean honestly yeah it is Facebook you know if it you is Facebook about, isn't it There's yeah. social network There's shopping You can pay people You can message people. You can sell your couch to your neighbor. It has <laughs> a dating true. service, which, yeah. you know, a lot of people forget. So, you know, Facebook has stuck its fingers on a lot of things. But even if you look at Facebook, where they've been had their success, it's not at doing everything. Yes, they have done a lot of things, but it's basically at doing one thing really well, which is, you know, kind of their core social networking features, which mm-hmm. are very easy to monetize. And then all the other stuff is sort of around that. But... Yeah. yeah, we don't think of Facebook as a kind of WeChat equivalent. Um, at least not really. Well, know. Facebook is there are a lot of other things under Facebook. I guess that's the that's the kind of uh, thing with Facebook. Um, but calling it X, uh, there have been some issues with that. I, th- I think we've mentioned already. But one of the things that was surprised. I mean, first of all, uh, it was someone's username, and then they got they got someone, and then and then uh, they were just like it was just unceremoniously taken from them. 
the ex username. So that was that particular. I can't remember his name. Like Jin Huang, I think is his name. I can't remember exactly. Um, and then so that happened, which is I guess per Musk's um, desire to change the name. And then also like I guess legally speaking, the ex it was owned by Facebook or something. Can you, do, do, you, do you know anything about that? Yeah. So uh, it's. The trademark. So X yeah. is a very kind of common name. It's used in a lot of different sort of uh, used by a lot of different companies in, in various ways. And one thing that people pointed out very quickly was that uh, Meta actually owns a trademark for X in the context context of social networking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of unclear whether that Meta Meta's kind of potential claim will actually be an issue for Twitter because. Um, you know, the logos look kind of different. It doesn't seem like Meta's actually using that trademark right now. Uh, so, but at the same time, there are hundreds of other companies that do use some version X. And I think just That's the fact true. that it's now Twitter, it's Elon Musk, he's so high profile, you know, he's been involved in so many lawsuits. I think it just, what a lot of trademark attorneys say is it just kind of opens you up to potential lawsuits, even if they're frivolous, mm-hmm. and not credible. Um, you know, companies may come out of the woodwork and try to sue uh, X Corp now and uh, <laughs> see if they can, you know, get a settlement or, you know, get a piece of uh, piece of Twitter for it. You know, it's it's interesting you mentioned like how Elon, he's always wanted this X app. He wants to change Twitter to X. And it, it, it and that sounds as if there has been some forethought, but it but from where I'm sitting, it just seemed kind of ramshackle put slapdash because you know like as as we know the x logo isn't isn't really a logo it's a unicode like thing uh like a unicode character i mean and um this whole structure that was put on the twitter building doesn't seem to have any permits or nothing just it just seemed kind of even though like i totally understand he's had this like vision for a long time but this whole decision to make it into an x just on the surface seemed like a very slapdash decision and does that ring true to you at all? Or do you think this has been in the works for like a year? I mean, it probably was. Um, yeah. You know, this is kind of how Musk operates. He makes decisions uh, on the fly. He doesn't necessarily consult with a lot of people. If he does consult with them, he doesn't necessarily listen to their advice. Yeah. Um, you know, and let's not forget that there was Twitter was not in the greatest news cycle at the time. There's a lot of conversations about uh, hate speech on Twitter and kind of the rise of this. There was some uh, reporting out there that yeah, really upset Elon Musk and, and other executives at the company. And so, you know, what's a, a really great way to change the media narrative about your companies? Like, rename it X. Um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, yeah, he, he announced it he, on a, he started talking about this on a Saturday night. Right. You know, pretty late in the night while he was playing Diablo um, and joined a Twitter Spaces conversation and was like, yeah, I think I'm going to rename it X. So, yeah, I mean, yeah but this is this is how he, how he operates. I mean, it's it sounds ridiculous because it is ridiculous, really. Um, like, so the, so the other thing is that I read on uh, on Platformer, Casey Newton's Platformer, on how he posits that um you know cuz cuz this was this was the question i had all along like why did elon musk buy twitter like why did he buy it was was, was it to make twitter into the axe or was it something else and casey was saying that 
it was just kind of a thing he did to like make make his make Twitter his own platform and kind of shut the quote unquote liberals up and make it into into his own playground and um, that kind of seems to be what he did, right? Yeah, I mean, I think let's not forget before he bought Twitter, he was Twitter's highest profile, yeah. um, most you know popular user by a lot of metrics um and a lot of people have made this point but when you you know think about what happens when Elon Musk tweets he instantly is getting millions and millions of people liking retweeting replying telling him he's a genius um you know instantly and whatever random thought he has whatever random meme he posts or stolen joke (laughs) he tweets (laughs) like it's his own like he gets a lot of instant uh, gratification, a lot of feedback. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, and this is the same loop like that we all kind of have with social media, but at that kind of scale, it's just so amplified. I think it's very easy to get kind of like wrapped up in your own presence. Like, have you ever had a tweet go like really viral and yes. you're just watching it like rack up retweets and replies? Like and it. it's like, it's, yeah, but it's kind of addictive, right? Like, you can't yeah, stop. sure waiting to like see like what people are saying and you're checking it and it's like this this weird dynamic and like mm. if that happens every single time you tweet without fail regardless of what you have to say and whether it's actually smart or actually funny like i can see how that becomes like a big part of your like personality yeah, yeah. exactly that's just yeah yeah it's, and it's so crazy to me too that you know he bought it for well he he bought it for forty four billion dollars but then he tried to like get out of it that was his whole back and forth I remember on how like he he was like I don't I don't I don't really want to get it or like there's this whole bunch of reasons of how well, Twitter was lagging about his numbers therefore you know I don't need to buy it anymore or something but he ended up having to buy it anyway and it's I don't know and and we are where we are I suppose um so. Twitter being the state it is, uh, that it is, uh, the fact that, you know, it's it's now X, I guess. It's called X now. The logo has changed to X and um, it changed its uh, Twitter blue profile so that all the verified, there's no more such thing as like be actual verification. It's like you have, you have to pay to be verified, right? Isn't, isn't that the case now? Yeah. You have, to, you, have to, you have to pay to be verified, you have to pay to have the blue check. So there's all these things, all these changes. And it kind of makes sense why people don't like Twitter anymore. That's this huge contingent of people who are like, you know what, Twitter, I just I just can't stand this anymore. And because of that, and as a result of that, well, there are lots of other reasons, but as a result of that, there are all these Twitter alternatives. Um, I'm just going to name a few. I'm sure, I'm sure there's more, but these are the few that I can think of right now. Um, the first and perhaps earliest one I can think of is Mastodon. And that's like a federation. We'll get to, we'll get to what, what federation means in a little bit. That's Mastodon. It's like a federation thing. And then there's Blue Sky, which is another kind of a federation thing. Not quite the same, but ish, similar. And then uh, the, the most recent uh, entrance into the Twitter alternative game is Threads. And Threads is part of Instagram slash Meta. I'm not really sure which umbrella that falls under, but it seems to be sort of Instagram-ish um, in its execution, at least. And then um, I'm sure there's others that are that exist or will exist in the coming uh, future. But um, 
I think the the first question that comes well, first I think we should address. Let's let's go through them. So Mastodon, and and that operates in a Fediverse, like a federation type thing. And from what I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but like it operates in the way like email would operate. So like you have your own server that you would join, like Mastodon.social or Mastodon.xyz or whatever, and then you have your username on there. But in term, but it's it's a little complicated to me. So why why don't you explain what Mastodon is and what the whole federation thing is? So Mastodon is a decentralized platform yeah. that runs on a protocol, an open source protocol called ActivityPub. Yeah. And there's a whole collection of services that run on ActivityPub, and that's that sort of collection is what's kind of known as the Fediverse. Um, Mastodon is definitely the highest profile, the one with the most users that's in the Fediverse. Um, and it's sort of a, you know, very Twitter-like service where you can, you know, post and reply to people and have, you know, follow and it, it kind of looks similar. Uh, if you just, you know, look at the feed, it, it, you know, it has kind of a similar interface to Twitter in mm-hmm. some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting about the Fediverse is that because it's decentralized, it's not controlled by one company. So like the the standards, the moderation policies are sort of up to whoever's controlling the server. Yeah. And then also um, one of the benefits of being in the Fediverse is that because it's on ActivityPub, any other service that also uses that protocol uh, has interoperability. So you can kind of share, see their posts, share content, kind of interact across, you know, this loose sort of network mm-hmm. of services. Um, so... So that's kind of the, you know, core difference between something like Twitter um, or other kind of like centrally controlled platform is that, you know, no one, no one person, no one company actually uh, is centrally controlling the whole service. It's only at mm-hmm. the, the server level. I've heard it compared to email. And the reason why I say that is because like um, email itself is a protocol, but like a Gmail it's like some someone with a Gmail address can still talk to someone with a Hotmail address, can still talk to someone with a Yahoo address. They they can still all talk to each other, even though they use different um, email servers. But it's it's still it's still just email. And the same thing with Mastodon, I guess, or 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 um sorry, the uh, the protocol in specific activity pub. I mean, in the sense of like it doesn't matter which server you're on or which server you use, you can still talk to each other on the same. Uh, sort of platform, and the interesting thing to me with Mastodon using Mastodon being one of the the main sort of people, main companies or uh, 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 organizations using uh, the ActivityPub protocol is that um, Threads, I think, as we mentioned, also uses the ActivityPub protocol. Is that correct? So it doesn't right now. Um, right, but not right, they not said, right now. They but... said when they when they launch Threads, they intend to support. Activity pub, and I agree. I think that's like one of the most interesting things about it um, is that, and is that they say that they want people to be able to take their audience on threads to another server. They want developers to be able to build their own sort of experiences that will work with threads, um, and sort of like embracing this vision of like federated, decentralized social media. Um, I think we still have a lot of questions about exactly how they're going to implement this and when it will happen. Uh, but it's really interesting to see from a company like Meta, which, you know, is all about centrally controlled platforms with uh, a lot of restrictions. Well, that's definitely correct. I think it's very interesting in the sense of like, 
the fact that you could theoretically sort of swap your threads account to like I don't know another Mastodon account theoretically and it should all kind of port over at least theoretically anyway and your followers would be the same or your you know your following account should theoretically be the same but I think some of the some of the issues with that and I've heard this from various people speaking is that they're concerned that um, with this federation model moderation kind of gets de-emphasized in the sense of like it's harder to like uh, you, you might you might say that the idea of moderating from a trust and safety perspective might not be as much of a priority or something or and or maybe maybe they're saying like oh because it's because they have this federated model uh they they leave it up to you they leave it up to users to moderate um where where that might whereas that might not always be a good thing uh to leave it to leave it up to the users to moderate um so what do you think where what 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 do you think of that in general like the whole moderation argument I think it's definitely probably one of the biggest if not the biggest issues I think facing these platforms mm-hmm. because you know you can have depending on what server you're on if you have maybe you have people who are really active in running it you can think of it as like forum moderators who maybe are really um strict about like uh, enforcing their rules and standards and kind of upholding Mm -hmm. these community norms um but at the same time there's no obligation for people to do that so you can have you know all kinds of um bad content or even illegal content in some cases yeah uh, appearing on these platforms i think there are people really thinking about these problems and i think there are some like interesting solutions that are being talked about that people have come up with you know um you talked about blue sky they have a kind of interesting approach to moderation where it's kind of right now it's some sort of central enforcement but also leaving a lot up to users to kind of control what level of um you know basically like content filtering they want to see and i think that's one of the things that's probably gonna take meta a while is that you know they're going to have to figure out how to make sure that you know, even though they are compatible with ActivityPub, you know, they still, they don't want, um, you know, anyone to post anything on uh, on the Fediverse somewhere to be able to just, like, put something on, get something onto threads that would go against their community standards. Well, so that's the I thing, think... right? Yeah, totally. Because, you know, you know, threads, they follow under, like, Facebook slash Meta's guidelines, and they're very famously, they, they don't allow certain not say for work images, for example, whereas like on other Mastodon servers, that's fine. You can do whatever you want, say whatever you want, you know? So it's a different, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of an unusual or strange, I know it's, it's kind of an awkward thing where like one server has different standards than another server, even though they're the same universe or what you want, what you want to call it, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, you know, for example, like there was this whole thing recently on how, um, uh, I think Mastodon got uh, criticized for having uh, CSAM images, you know, child sexual abuse images, and um, and one of the one of the reasons I've heard is because this particular server is just like one guy running it, so the, it's like, it's literally like one guy doing most of the moderation, and he just couldn't, you know, he could he didn't have the power to like catch it, or or or, or at least that's what I, what, what I'm getting from this particular uh, article, and um, you know. Like you mentioned, it's hard because 
moderation, it's e- either you pay for the moderation or you rely on volunteers. And volunteers don't have the man hours. You don't have the people power to like do everything, cover everything. And in that sense, you would have to rely on um, what's the technology called? Photo, uh, what they what they scan photo photos DNA. and then yeah, photo DNA. That's right. And then so like they would have to use that to sort of like implement it into the structure essentially, or into the code base, I guess, and have that uh, um, sort of suss out those accounts and just ban them or ban the the offending server or whatever it is. But you know, um, you mentioned Blue Sky. Blue Sky's the other one, but they use they use even though they're even though they also kind of follow the same Fediverse principle, but they use a completely different protocol. Is that correct? Yeah. So Blue Sky is decentralized as well, and mm-hmm. they use a different protocol. It's called the AT protocol, and the creators say that the plan is eventually that they'll federate so that people will be able to host other instances. Um, you know, of Blue Sky and kind of have this federation model. But right now it is just kind of uh, one sort of centrally control place that, that looks a lot like Twitter. But the vision is that it will be more kind of like uh, what we think of as like the Fediverse. But it's it's not, is it is it is it compatible with um, ActivityPub? So that's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> the two, <laughs> the protocols are, um, you know, there's, there's various like factions if you want to like go deep into like, the forums of people arguing about like uh protocol supremacy um i think (laughs) my sense is that eventually uh they there will be some connections between them like there's already a few uh people kind of working on these sort of like bridges um Mm -hmm. between there's one called sky bridge i believe that oh god you know will sort of make blue sky posts uh available within the broader fediverse so like i suspect Mm -hmm. if blue sky kind of keeps growing and, and becomes bigger, we'll see sort of ways that they can, like, interact with each other. But they are technically mm-hmm. separate protocols. Um, you know, the main difference that the, the Blue Sky developers talk about is that they think account portability is a little bit easier uh, with the way that they've set things up. You know, there's a few other, like, structural differences and um, lots of other stuff that's, like, way more in the weeds that's uh, <laughs> beyond my technical abilities to understand. So I think so. I mean, so just in case we we're a little too 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 fast for you for 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 our, for our listeners, I think that let's so Mastodon had is made up of this, all these different servers, and in order to in order to join a Mastodon, you have to like pick your server, you know, Mastodon.social, whatever it is, and then you will sign up using the Mastodon interface. With Threads, you can just like. It's an app that you download, and then it'll immediately hook up to your existing Instagram account if you have one, and then it will just port all your your friends and followers over from that. Um, with Blue Sky, right now it's invitation only, so you need to have some you need to you need to know someone to, or or whatever it is to give you an invitation code. And Blue Sky also like correct me if I'm wrong, but Blue Sky was um, was it was it initially like a project inside Twitter or something that got just like branched off into its own thing and I believe one of the initial like um, funders was Jack Dorsey that's at least that's at least at least that's how I first heard of Blue Sky yeah it started off as a a project internally within Twitter uh, while Jack Dorsey was CEO to kind of create a decentralized version of of Twitter that could exist uh, without Twitter the company Mm -hmm. um, that 
quickly grew and then they kind of spun it off into its own company. It's now uh, led by uh, Jay Graber, who's CEO, and mm-hmm. I think it has maybe a dozen employees or something. Mm-hmm. And they were still kind of linked, had some ties to Twitter, but all that kind of got severed when Elon Musk, Elon Musk bought the company. Mm-hmm. So they're now uh, independent. Jack Dorsey was, uh, you know, a big backer of it. He, fun- you know, gave them a lot of funding. I think what's interesting now is he's become, uh, at least publicly, he's been backing more of another decentralized platform called uh, Noster. I don't know if I'm saying yeah. that correctly. Um, so, he's yeah. been a little bit critical of some of the <laughs> decisions of, of Blue Sky, um, but that's that's Jack Dorsey for you, I guess. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. For a while, I want to say for a hot minute this year, Blue Sky was the talk of the town. Like it was, at least it seemed to me, to be fair, I think also it depends on the, I think a lot of that is because a lot of the initial Blue Sky users are New York media people and they got, it got written up a lot in New York media circles. And that's how we hear a lot about these, these things. And I think that's why for a while Blue Sky was like the, the Twitter alternative for a while. And because you need an invitation to get in, it seemed like very exclusive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think part of the, the the charm of Blue Sky, at least initially, was that the 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 developers and the CEO, as you mentioned, they were very like communicative with the community. It seemed like it seemed like a really interesting, even though it is a federated thing, it seemed at least tight knit ish in a way. 
as, as tightly as, as you can possibly get, I, I, I suppose. But now I think as more and more people went, are on Blue Sky, um, there have been some some moderation issues. We mentioned moderation issues. Some moderation issues have propped up. Um, one, the one, the, the most recent one I can think of is there was a user um, on Blue Sky that had a racial slur in their username, and it got called out. Uh, you know, there was this whole kerfuffle around it. And even though the user did eventually get you know banned and all that stuff. Um, the blue sky didn't respond to it for like I think a ten days or something. I can't remember exactly, and uh, it kind of it kind of blew up <laughs> in blue sky's face, and um, and then they had this there was this article on I want to say Fortune or Forbes I can't remember exactly, but and they interviewed the CEO and how she was like, you know, as the company is growing, we can't be as close as we used to be. We can't you know have this one on one. Uh, community building things that, that we used to. Um, what do you think of all that? And what do you think of Blue Sky in general? Like how it's sort of evolved into what it is now, which is like a strange, it's 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 Twitter-like, but also not in a way. Yeah, I was, I was joking the other day that Blue Sky sort of feels like it's in its hall monitor phase, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where it feels like there's a lot of people who um are have a lot of very strong opinions about what they should and shouldn't be doing and are kind of whipping up a lot of this stuff um i should also say that like i have the privilege and benefit that i've never faced harassment on blue sky um you know i've encountered plenty of uh not safe for work stuff but nothing that's been really kind of uh ugly or you know directed at me um in that way so like i don't want to mm-hmm. discount the feelings that like see these things so like it is a serious problem um mm-hmm. my impression is is that i think a lot of people came to blue sky with this idea that like it was going to be kind of you know like twitter but better they were going to be able to learn from from twitter's mistakes they really cared about uh community and uh you know making sure that it was a good place and you know wasn't going to have Nazis and, and all these kind of issues that we associate with Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, right now they're just, they, they're suffering the same thing that a lot of platforms that grow really, f- get really big, really fast before they're ready kind of go through, which like inevitably yeah. there's going to be issues. Um, the thing with the username was a big, was a big problem because, you know, people were saying why, you know, that's such a simple, like, easiest, lowest hanging fruit you can imagine is, like, have a block list of words that can't be in usernames, right? And maybe mm-hmm. you would include, inc- include uh, you know, racial slurs in that list. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. People thought it took too long to fix, too long for them to kind of explicitly address mm-hmm. why that happened. Um, so, you know, and I think all those, all those points are valid. I don't think... I don't know if if it's necessarily fair to interpret that as saying these people don't care about safety, they don't care about community, they don't care about any of those issues. I think if you look at what everybody involved with this has said, um, I think they do care. I'm not mm-hmm. saying they obviously have made mistakes, everyone does, but yeah, you know, I think people should also remember that like the, a lot of these 
you know, they did make some obvious mistakes, but there's also a lot of hard problems when it comes to how you build a community, how you enforce moderation, where you draw these lines, you know, even the biggest and like most well-funded companies get this stuff wrong a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also like how, like how old, like this is, this is a brand new thing. It hasn't been around barely six months or something. It's, it's, it's a very young team in general. And it's a closed beta. Um, It's a closed beta. Exactly. I mean, I don't really know how many users they have right now, but it's, it's, it's very limited. Yeah, I there think are not many people on it. I think it might be a little over four hundred thousand at this point. Yeah, I forget exactly okay. where they're at, but it's you know it's very small. And I think I think you could make an argument that like you know in a closed beta, um, you know you're sort of accepting that there's going to be some hiccups. Some I think it's fair for the community to push back and say like, yeah, we want this to be a better place. We don't want you guys to make the same mistakes. We want you to mm-hmm. care about trust and safety. Uh, we want you to like really invest in these problems and not make them mm-hmm. kind of like secondary concerns. I think that's all really valid. You know, it can really help kind of shape the tone of the community. But, you know, I think there's also kind of a, a contingent of, of if people on Blue Sky that are very visible and very um, loud about, you know, kind of trying to uh, create their own kinds of norms that go beyond that, that you know, are, um, like I said, just kind of made it feel very, like, hall monetary at some point to me. Because, like, when I first joined Blue Sky, it was, like, everyone was posting, like, pictures of, like, Alf and <laughs> the, the naked Alf jokes. I don't know if you yeah. were around for those memes. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, this is, like, very, like, campy and, and fun. And then, like, now it's, like, <laughs> there was this sort of, like, the main character or one of the main characters of, of Blue Sky yesterday was... Somebody posted, like, a cute photo of, like, a fluffy dog looking out a window and said, you know, this dog protected us from a a trespassing bunny. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You know? Oh, right. I know And then somebody was like, oh, you're, like, co-opting the language of, um, by saying trespassing, you're, like, co-opting the language of uh, law enforcement. And there was, like, all this, like, really weird criticism. I'm like, man, people, you gotta, this is the internet. (laughs) I have to say, um, and we can talk about the differences between these three. Th- these three really do seem to be the the main alternatives at this point. Uh, Mastodon, uh, Blue Sky, to, to, to a certain extent. And Threads, Threads obviously the big behemoth and the, the big elephant in the room is Threads. Um, so Threads, I, Threads has over like a billion users. Was that like a billion users or something? I think Threads has. It's like yeah, not huge... quite a billion yet. They had um, <laughs> they, they got number. to a hundred. They got to a hundred million. Hundred million, uh, sorry. Very quickly. There. Uh, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg said he thinks that you know it can be the next kind of billion user app under sure Meta's <laughs> you know family of app umbrella. Um, we'll see. They had a you know they had a lot of that engagement kind of fell off just as quickly as they got it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the reason it got picked up was because it's so tied to Instagram. It's like. You can just click a button and it'll just port all of your friends and stuff over. That's why probably why it, it got picked up so quickly. Um, for of course, when when it first launched, uh, it was like it's, it's, it, there was only a, the for you. Th- there that, that was it was all algorithm all the time. That it was you could you couldn't have a a, a following only feed. Well, now you can. Now now there is a for you algorithm algorithm fueled uh, stream versus a 
uh, following, which is that the people the people you follow. Uh, uh, it's very similar to TikTok in the sense of for you slash following. I'm sure I'm sure that comparison has been made already with with TikTok. Um, but it's. And of course, the the other thing, for at least at least for me anyway, the thing that stops me from using really from really using Threads is because there is no desktop version; it's mobile only, and that's the number one reason why I haven't really used it that much. Um, but I'm sure they'll get they'll get there eventually. Um, it also seems to me anyway. This is just purely anecdotal, a my personal experience of all these three platforms. Um, Threads is probably the most mainstream. Mastodon seems to be at least from what I follow, like very like tech nerds, early tech adopters um, kind of crowd with some like local Bay Area influences because just because I, I, I know I, I'm, I'm in the Bay Area. Blue Sky seems to be like, like I said, that New York media crowd-ish, some occasional shit posters, uh, some internet uh, sort of celebrity type people on Blue Sky. And it's and it's like almost three. It's almost as if there's three different crowds, and I'm sat here like checking all three all the time, and like my brain is like social media all the time now because it's literally three different apps, and I'm being divided all, every, all the time, and it's because I I am not one I am not like one person like I have I have different interests you know, and um, I don't know like I feel like. I'm personally drawn to Blue Sky because I love the interface more than the other ones, but that's that's now that's for now anyway. I, my opinion could change tomorrow. Um, what do you like in, from from your personal usage of these three apps and perhaps even more Twitter alternatives to come? Like, where do you see this going? Do you, I mean, it seems as if Threads is the giant behemoth like in the room. Uh, I'm not sure what could beat Threads at this point, but where do you stand right now? What 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 do you prefer of the three, if any? <laughs> and uh, which do you think, like, is going to win out if, if, if we want, want to win out, if at all? I mean, it's hard. I think on one hand, you know, what we're seeing, uh, particularly with, with Blue Sky and, and Threads with all the hype, is that there really is this intense desire from a lot of people for something else to be Twitter. Yeah. And to have, you know, some kind of viable alternative. But I think with both, we're seeing, like, how difficult that is, even with kind of sort of the the best versions that exist out there, that it's so hard to recreate that. Um, I think Blue Sky, like you said, it really kind of, because of the invite structure, they, they've really benefited from kind of having a lot of high-profile, really online people... You know, a lot of posters, people you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who tweet a lot. You know, Blue Sky was sort of appealing for them because you and you know, for me, one thing that's been nice was that I I joined before Twitter killed its API, so I was actually I was able to somewhat successfully rebuild parts of my following graph mm-hmm. because there were tools where I could kind of find people I followed from uh, from Twitter on Blue Sky. It's not perfect, but you know, mm-hmm. because of that, I've had some success. And, you know, I find that I actually get, in a lot of cases, more engagement on Blue Sky than I do on Twitter now, um, which is crazy because I think on Blue Sky, I have a few hundred followers and on Twitter, I have 15,000. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, Threads was attached to my Instagram, which I mostly just use for personal use. 
uh, that's something I was thinking about today. Like I have a, I've had a really hard time kind of rebuilding my, my following graph. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like desperately, like I've been like searching through other people's <laughs> profiles to see who they're following, trying yep. to like just build up my feed because right now it just feels weirdly empty. Like, and the, the recommendations that Threads keeps giving me are like for like <laughs> random celebrities and like the zoo yeah. and you know accounts that like might be interesting to me on Instagram like maybe I'd follow them on Instagram but like I don't want to use threads that way yeah I think that was my initial I mean, that's the, my, my initial um negative reaction to threads was because all of the accounts that they recommended in their algorithm feed are like Instagram accounts you know like they, it's very very fo- very image heavy very mm-hmm. photo heavy very influencer heavy, I guess, in you know, a celebrity heavy. And like, that's not really what I want to read. You know, I, I use Twitter as like kind of a news feed sometimes or like, you know, funny, humorous stuff that people talk about. And that's not the same people that they, that that Venn diagram isn't quite there. You know, um, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, like, it's, a, it's a different crowd. <laughs> it's a different kind of people that you follow over you know, Instagram versus Twitter. Yeah, and I can't tell if, like, those people are on threads and I just can't find them. Mm-hmm. Or if, like, the only people posting on threads are, like, meme accounts and, you know, <laughs> people that, like, had exclusively people who had very large Instagram followings. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, I think I think it's a bit of both, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just... They, they, because there's like not there's they they don't have good search their recommendations are are not amazing it's just like so hard to find them yeah all right I'm gonna try to wrap this up and then we can go we can go on to the other segments if we if we want to um but like first of all over under on whether Twitter Twitter slash X survives the year do you think it's gonna like Musk will drag it out even more or do you think it's he's gonna give up at some point. The year, yeah, I think they survived the year. Yeah. Five years? I don't okay. know. <laughs> right, the year versus five years. Okay. Um, yeah. And which, and which which do you think, like, which, well, you mentioned in, in, in the in the rundown, you mentioned, like, apparently TikTok might have, te- might, have might be a Twitter alternative, too, at some point. Uh, they just came out with, like, text posts. <laughs> I think they're, I don't think TikTok really has much to worry about, um, in terms of, you know, their user base. I don't think they need to be Twitter, but yeah. I think what we're seeing is, like, a lot of companies, like, they're seeing, like, Twitter's weakness right now, and they're like, well, we can, let's just have some kind of Twitter-like feature, like, just in case, right? Like, Substack has its own thing. Uh, mm-hmm. TikTok has text posts. I mean, uh, we've seen this many other companies. So I think, like, a lot of people are just trying it because they're like, why not? Um, I-, I don't think TikTok is, is who... Uh, is keep, the one who's keeping Musk up at night. <laughs> right. All right. So, I mean, that's a, that's a fascinating discussion. I'm sure we, we could talk about it forever. But um, let's move on to a couple other segments. Uh, this is just a fun thing since it's, it's a it's an online show. We'll talk about things that happen online, things that are going viral. Um, I, this is just one thing that I picked up today. And... Uh, that's it. There was this thing that happened on TikTok. Um, I want to say it's been a month or so now. There was this video going around about this uh, lady in Italy that just went around 
pointing at people, pointing out pickpockets, and she was like, "Attenzione, pickpocket!" And she would like, she would literally like point out pickpocketers as as it was happening, and this blew up, and she became like this internet celebrity. People loved that she was pointing out uh, pickpockets. Um, of course, and then the New York Times wrote a, the New York Times wrote a whole profile on this lady too, very like glowing profile on this lady. Um, but of course, it turns out, uh, you know, nobody, nobody's as they seem. And the the woman, uh, Monica Polly, she is like a city councilor for a very far right political party, uh, who is like very, very far right. They're very like anti LGBT, like they're very far right. And um, it also seems like the people that she targeted in those pickpocket videos were Romani. So it's kind of racist <laughs> as well. So all these things, like for example, like in the New York Times article, they're like, "How do you know they're pickpockets?" And she's like, "Oh, I just know." And then there's this whole like racial profiling, like subtext. Uh, so yeah, I, mm, that doesn't seem to be very good. But is there a better example of milkshake duck? I mean, this is <laughs> like this is the most kind of uh, milkshake duck scenario I can think of. That was all I could think about when I read the stories about how she's actually like. Um, you know, a far right politician who, you know, has some uh, troubling uh, history. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally milkshake duck. I was like, oh, no, this one lady that we thought was a good person is maybe not so good much. Um, and you, you also entered this uh, thing in the rundown about the Pinky Dot NPC thing. Do you want, do you want to talk about, about, about that? Yeah, sure. So there's um, this this trend on, on TikTok of these live streamers who are doing these NPC live streams, which stands for non-player characters. Um, there's this one woman in particular who goes by Pinky Doll, who mm-hmm. has uh, gained a pretty big following. And if you watch the the streams, it, they're, honestly, they're hard to describe. You have to check it out. You know, but she kind of just sits in her house in one position, and she just sort of like says the same things kind of over and over again and she responds people are sending her little you know tips and and in-app gifts and then she kind of will say like ice cream yum yum (laughs) and all these like and like this kind of weird robot voice and it's like so strange and she streams you know for quite a long time and people like mesmerized by it apparently um timbaland the rapper is like a big fan oh my goodness has sent her a lot of gifts and people are kind of it kind of became this weird like panic in a way where people are saying, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe people will watch this stuff. It's so weird. Everyone's like brains are so broken. But um, I just think it's a really interesting trend of like, it's not hurting anyone. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just like a weird thing that for whatever reason is like people find enjoyable. And, you know, I think if you watch, I've watched some of these streams now and I think it's just sort of like the actual like repetitiveness and then like seeing her, kind of, like, respond to everyone in real time. Like, I, it's not my thing, but I also kind of get why you kind of get hooked on it and it's a little bit addictive. Like, almost like, you know, those ASMR videos where people kind of watch, like, just people, like, cutting things or, like, speaking in whispers. Yeah. The surprising thing is that that, that they get paid a decent amount, like $6,000 or something like that per, I don't know, per something. But they get paid a decent amount just to, like, yeah, she's. Like I mean, NPC. she's making a, more money than than either of us by <laughs> yeah, uh, doing her, her pinky doll stream. So yeah, yeah, totally. Um, we're 
we're almost at an hour, so we have to wrap it up soon. Um, uh, but Carissa, thank you so much for uh, joining me on this inaugural podcast about things online. And uh, we spent a lot of it talking about Twitter, uh, but you know they've sucked up part of <laughs> much of our lives, so that makes sense. Um, Carissa, where can we uh, re- read your, catch you online? Yeah, so I am still on Twitter at Carissa B. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm on Mastodon. I'm on most of the Twitter alternatives. Uh, you can also read my work at Engadget. I'm uh, working on a story now about decentralized social media that kind of touches on some of what we talked about. Very cool. Hey, that's it for us. Uh, if you liked listening to this show, uh, definitely let us know. Uh, feedbacks at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Or you can email me, NicoleLead at gmail.com, and let us know what you think. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.